It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, it's Ellis. Before we get into today's Orange and Brown Talk podcast, I want to tell you how you can get signed up for Football Insider. Visit cleveland.com slash browns and click the blue banner at the top of the page. That'll give you exclusive access to content, a daily newsletter, and insider text messages from myself, Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, and Scott Pasco. Everyone expects this to be a memorable Brown season. Make the most of it by becoming a Football Insider subscriber. All right, let's get to the show. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. My name's Ellis Williams. Coming to you on a Sunday following the Browns' dominant 26-6 victory over the Chicago Bears. I'm joined, as always, by Mary Kay Cabot, Dan Lobby, and Doug Maurice. Y'all, let's start with this defense. Like I said, just a dominant performance. It started up front. Miles Garrett setting the franchise record single-game performance for a sack with four and a half. They sacked Justin Fields nine times in all, allowed only 47 total yards. The Bears ran 42 plays. Uh, Just a a real tough performance from the Bears' offense, but I think it says a lot about the Browns' defense. So, so Dan, I'm going to ask you, was this the most dominant Browns' defensive performance that you can remember? And should Miles Garrett come Monday morning be the new league favorite for Defensive Player of the Year? I, I mean, I don't think I don't think he's the favorite, uh, but I think this sort of was a reminder, like, hey, this guy needs to be in the discussion. And we talked about it on Wednesday. Like, the, this guy's still in the discussion for defensive player of the year and still should be because he's capable of doing things like this. And I thought this was kind of miles sort of saying, all right, I'm, I'm done making excuses. I'm, I'm done, you know, complaining. I'm just going to go out and perform. Because, you know, look – Every great edge rusher gets chipped and double teamed and triple teamed. And, you know, so, so some of that stuff gets lost on me a little bit. So I was happy to see Miles come out and play like this and frankly just overwhelm a rookie quarterback that I thought they'd be able to overwhelm. He holds the ball a little bit, doesn't have a great offensive line, doesn't have a ton of weapons. The Browns made Justin Fields look like a rookie making his first start and they absolutely dominated this game. So um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I can't think of defensive performances off the top of my head to, to necessarily rank this one. But I mean, the Bears had one passing yard. So it's, it's certainly got to be up there when you talk about great defensive performances. The Browns dominated an offense that they were supposed to dominate, but they did it even more so than you would have expected them to do. Yeah, Mary Kay, when you hear yeah, that. The... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, y'all. No, go ahead. Yeah, when you, when you hear that the Bears had one passing yard, Mary Kay, in this league that we have today, uh, just how shocking is that? And is that what you saw on the field, just a, a pure dominance up front from Miles Garrett and, and really the defensive line setting a tone and, and making it chaotic for Justin Fields back there? 
you know what? The, the Browns did exactly what they set out to do. I think that the, uh, I think the bears did a horrible, horrible job of coaching. I mean, uh, Miles Garrett just came off a game where they completely chipped him on every single play against the Texans. I didn't really see them do that all that much in this game. Uh, I, I think that, you know, after the stuff that Miles said on Friday, I think the, the Browns were all ready to, to run through a wall and they saw opportunities to do it against a really bad and porous offensive line. So this is, I mean, you would have expected a dominant performance. We expect but they went above and beyond the call of duty and just drove the point home time and time and time again. Uh, and that's what, you know, that's what you need to do. If you want to be a really amazing dominant defense in a game like this against a rookie quarterback, uh, you have to show out like that. But I, you know, I, I also thought that it was rookie abuse. It was quarterback rookie abuse. They did not have a chance. They did not protect him. Uh, they did not give him a game plan uh, that was going to allow him to succeed. And there were, t and he hurt his hand too. I mean, how dumb is that? I mean, there were times they knew what they were getting themselves into. There were times during this game where I thought, you know what? Play Nick Foles so that he could just get the ball out of his hands and know what he's looking at. It was obvious to me that Justin Fields was completely 100% overmatched and not ready for this football game. So I think it was a combination of those two things. Doug, were you surprised yeah. at how much Justin struggled? As we said, I mean, he, he's going to hold the ball. So they were in the backfield immediately, but there were other times when, you know, I, like he thought he could escape and it's like, yeah, you against Indiana and Rutgers in Minnesota, you escaped. And this time it was miles Garrett. You didn't escape. So that happened as expected. This was one of those. And I, and I was in the full uh, bears post game. This was one of those, like, they were questioning their very existence after this game, Chicago was. The Browns ate their souls. Mm -hmm. Matt Nagy is like, it's all my fault. And the offense was, offensive line was like, we were terrible. And Justin Fields was like, I never want to feel this way again. Like, it was just one of those things where they couldn't do anything. And Matt Nagy was getting a lot of questions about, why didn't you get Justin Fields out of the pocket more, let him do some things on the move? And he was like, well, we know what we do well, and they know what we do well. And with their athletic ends, they weren't going to let him get outside and do anything. They had a plan to sort of not let him escape, but yet they still got nine sacks while they were doing that. So there was a lot of the Browns are really good. And Matt Nagy said that a couple times of like, we know what we wanted to do. We had a game plan and they also knew what our game plan was going to be. And then they solved that and that was it. So, um, you know, they were trying to praise Justin Fields for handling things well on the sideline. You know, he didn't freak out screaming at anybody. So like he took it, but they had, they had no answers. And clearly the Justin, just Justin, ha Justin had nothing to, to try to counter uh, what the Browns were doing. And that was the result. Yeah, and I thought you saw the defense play much better situationally. Uh, we talked all week about how much they were struggling on third downs and in the red zone. Of course, Chicago doesn't score today. Uh, I think they went one for 13 on third downs. So uh, aside from, you know, the highlight stuff, the, the splash play is the dominance. You see them get better situationally. So as I lay that up for you all, are, are the concerns that we had just a week ago on this defense gone? Or, or is this a more of a product of, of you know, dealing with a, a rookie quarterback and offensive line that played one of its, its worst days? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think that, uh, once again, you want to go out and absolutely crush the soul of a rookie quarterback and a bad offensive line. You want to do that, and they were able to do that. Uh, but you have to remember, 
that that's what it was and that's what is expected. And they just, I mean, look, they didn't look good against Tyrod Taylor and the Texans last week because they were, you know, they had a pretty good game plan. I mean, they chipped the hell out of miles and uh, you know, they had answers for things and they got rid of the ball extremely quickly. I mean, if you get rid of the ball really fast against this team, you're going to neutralize some of that pass rush. And they couldn't do that whatsoever. Justin Fields really wasn't ready to, to play this football game against the, his first start, you know, probably should not have come against Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney. He, he was not ready for that. I mean, could they have not foreseen that there was just no way uh, that he was ready for that? That can be a confidence killer for a young quarterback like that. They're going to have to ask themselves, uh, you know, if that was really smart for them to do that, at least, I mean, I don't know, was there at any point that you guys thought, why don't they just put Nick Foles in there and see if he can do anything? Knowing Justin a little bit, I think he'll be okay. And I almost think that might have been more of a confidence killer for him. I think he would rather work through his own sort of rough day and try to come out the other end. Um, but there were questions in the postgame about, like, this is the kind of thing that can really mess up a young quarterback, Mary Kay, to your point. So they have to be – aware of that and like Matt Nagy like didn't commit to anything like who's going to start next week or anything but they're aware of it right I mean like they that's the main thing for the Chicago Bears this year is like get this guy ready to see if he can be a franchise quarterback and that was not uh, a good start yeah it's it's always tough I mean I kind of hate the idea of protecting guys because you you know you're going to face for the most part good players you know every single week You know, at the same time, the plan obviously wasn't to start Justin in this game because Andy Dalton got hurt. And so it's a it's a tough balance. Um, You know, maybe playing for Matt Nagy for 16 games is going to be more damaging to Justin Fields than than this one game. I I guess we'll see. But, um, you know, I Fields has been through some things before. You know, he may he can call up Urban Meyer and say, hey, man, it is like playing Alabama every week up here. You're right. And, And just try and move on from this. But I, I'll say this, Ellis, to your original question. I, I don't think this allays any fears, all the fears about this defense, but it does make you feel better because they at least put that dominant performance together and it showed you what this defense can be. They're not going to do this against, you know, Kyler Murray. They're not going to do this against Justin Herbert in a few weeks, but you feel better about what they can do when they go against those quarterbacks uh, in, in those games because at least they put some sort of dominant performance on paper and you this defense can look like when everything clicks yeah I think it was a confidence booster for them I think the defense needed to have a game where they felt good about themselves where everybody got involved where everybody comes away with some stats I mean look I mean Miles I don't care what anybody says about Miles he cares about those sack stats and now uh, he is in the conversation and we had talked about the fact that you know even though guys are going to have games like this where you can erupt for a bunch of sacks like Chandler Jones did in the first week Uh, when you start to fall behind it can be hard to catch up well he caught up I mean he caught up in one day and I think that he's going to want to keep that rolling and um, I think that was a little bit of a a turning point for him I was I was laughing I was telling somebody the other day you know when when shirtless miles shows up for the press conference I mean you know it's go time right (laughs) so um, so yeah you just knew that he was ready to uh, you know to bust out and put put his uh, name back on the map and up there in the conversation and I think that this will uh, just kind of snowball from here. By the way, I also think it's important to note that four of his sacks, his four solo sacks, were all on third down. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's a, that's really important. They weren't, you know, every sack matters, but to kind of have the week he had this team struggling on third down for him to show up and have four of his four and a half sacks come on third down is really impressive. Yeah. To me, Joe Wood showed today that he understood how to attack the bears protection. He, he was moving miles around. Like you said, those third down sacks uh, being timely as they are means that the game plan was executed. Uh, I noticed more twists today, some stunts and more blitzing and, and Woods uh, mentioned that when he talked to media that, you know, it, it's time to bring the pressure on a rookie quarterback like that. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, a lot of miles there. Were there any other defensive performances uh, that, that stood out really, we could shout out the whole defensive line. Couldn't we? Well, you got to talk about um, JOK and Jadavian Clowney as two guys that, um, you know, that really showed up and, and got some got some things done today. Um, so Jadavian Clowney got the sack party started, actually, with the first sack there. And, um, and then JOK was so active. I mean, he really, really was active today. And uh, you know, I was digging into a little bit of what happened last week. Remember, he had 18 snaps, and we were like, well, that was kind of weird. I mean, he kind of dinged his knee in that game, and therefore he was limited in his playing time last week. So he felt better this week, full go in practice on Friday, and it was time to, time to kind of unleash the beast a little bit, and they did. And I think it was, uh, you know, a really good game for him, a good active game for him where he used his closing speed. Uh, you know, he, was, he participated in a sack. Uh, he made some some tackles and uh, just a nice overall outing by him. Yeah, I, I thought JOK flashed everywhere. I mean, he's just – he's around the ball a lot, and it, you can see how it all pairs together. You know, there even when, you know, when Justin Fields wasn't getting sacked and he's trying to get the ball out to a tight end or something, and it's like JOK is right there, and it's like, man, that's how this is supposed to work. But that that is just the kind of linebacker play that you – didn't see all the time last year and he is he is on top of the ball already and has a clear understanding of what he's supposed to do in this defense and I thought he was great today yeah I mean he, he showed you what he can be coverage run stopping getting after the quarterback you know he, he kind of showed it all um, I thought Greg Newsom before he left had a couple of plays that, that stood out and you know, look, we've all, you know, this was sort of a tough week for Denzel Ward too, but, you know, they, they were still going at him a little bit, but nobody in that Chicago receiving group had a big game. And I didn't hear Allen Robinson's name a lot. Now, I don't know if Denzel was matched up with Allen Robinson in this game the whole time, but I, I just think it, it's going to be hard to look across this defense this week and find anybody that we can say, oh, that guy didn't really play well. I just thought this was a very good get right week for the entire defense. Yeah, I, I thought I, I saw uh, Denzel give up one, uh, you know, pretty significant pass to to Allen Robinson. Um, but other than that, as you mentioned, it was it was not the uh, the kind of day where you had to worry about uh, the, the passing game in in any way, shape or form. So. Um, so, yeah, it was just not it was not a game where anybody was going to have too bad of a day if you were a defensive back. Um, but I still think that it's something to keep an eye on. I, I still think um, hopefully for the Browns, Greg is fine. He left with a calf injury um, and you always get a little worried. He tweeted out that he's totally fine. Uh, so hopefully he will be um, because I actually think he's been playing better than Denzel. I think he's been playing a little bit better than Denzel. He had a, a nice, uh, 
another nice pass breakup today where he closed and got there, um, used his speed to get there. And I think he's really flashing as a very good cornerback. So, um, so again, hopefully for them, he's totally fine. And we'll be back and ready to roll next week. Yeah, and I thought this was a, a bounce back game for Ronnie Harrison, looking like the safety uh, that Joe Woods plans him to be and, and the way that Joe Woods puts him in positions to succeed. Two tackles today, a sack, a uh, pass breakup. You just saw Ronnie, uh, I think, play a more simple game, trust his instincts, again, get around the football. And again, Joe Woods finding a way to just use these safeties as he's getting used to having all three of them available and that package continues to grow. Uh, Y'all, we went 10 minutes without mentioning Odell Beckham Jr., but it is now time. He made his 2021 debut today from pregame warmups to, of course, in the game, and then even his postgame comments I thought were interesting. So I'll just tee that up. And what did you guys think of Odell today? Uh, Again, from the juice t-shirt to talking about how exhausted he was after the game, a a real OBJ experience today at First Energy Stadium. Yeah, it was was, was OBJ. Go ahead, Dan. No, I was just going to say that this was kind of the, the ultimate OBJ experience. You, right. you nailed it, Ellis. Go ahead, Mary Kay. Yeah, it was an OBJ kind of a day. I mean, he, OBJ, no matter how much he would ever say that he doesn't occasionally like to have all eyes on him, he loves to have all eyes on him. He absolutely loves that. Uh, and that's what it was today. All eyes were on him. He wore the Juice Landry t-shirt in, in pregame warmups, a homage to his best friend who missed his very first game because of an injury ever in his career. Uh, so when those two guys get back on the field together, I think it's going to be really downright scary. Um, but I thought Odell showed today that, uh, and I wrote a column, my, my zero column, as we call it, Uh, from right after the game was that it just looks to me like the chemistry between Odell and Baker is not going to be a problem this year. It's not going to be a problem. Uh, The the problems were, we know what they were last year. Last year it was about Baker didn't have it together yet. The year before that, nobody had it together under Friday Kitchen. So uh, I I think that Odell is making a concerted effort, and he knows he has to, to be where he needs to be in this offense. It's a precision timing scheme. He's got to be on the mark. I think he's working really hard to do that. I think those two guys have worked hard on their, their chemistry, their friendship, and all those kind of things. And I, I just – Odell just seems like he knows what he has to do. He said he was exhausted more so than he's ever been after a game, trying to come back after 10 and a half months. Who can blame him for that? But it was just one of those, you know, emotional Odell is back. He's here. He's ready to go. And uh, it's OBJ time. Games. Way over our over under on snaps, was he not? Like, yeah, not I don't, held back. I, I don't have the exact number, but yeah, he was out there a ton. I mean, he just played. He 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 didn't play like a guy coming off an ACL. He just played. Mm-hmm. And oh, Anthony Schwartz gets a snap here, but he 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 was a starting receiver in every sense of the word. And as I mentioned on the on the podcast the other day, I did go to the game with my daughter and sit in the stands with my daughter. And so I was there and like the OBJ experience in the stands of like, here he comes. And like, it was different than everybody else, right? Like it, he, he got the loudest ovation of any Brown who was announced with that offense. And so to your point, Mary Kay, and, and he, you could almost see him from the stands, like absorbing that and the fans absorbing him, absorbing it and the back and forth. And it felt right. But then I did think the first play from scrimmage, 
Baker forced it a little bit to Harrison Bryant, and I think Odell was open underneath Harrison Bryant on like a levels route, right? That I thought Odell was like the second level and was open, and Baker forced it to the third level and incomplete. And then I thought on second down, because maybe he should have thrown it to Odell on first down, I thought Baker forced it to Odell on second down, and it was incomplete. And I was like, oh, no, here we go. And then on third down, like Odell ran a great route, Baker hit him, and it was like, and that was it. And then I didn't feel that the rest of the day. To your point, Mary Kay, like it wasn't – it was in the flow. It was, oh, look, there's a one-on-one. Baker's going to take that shot. Oh, look, let's get him something short over the middle. Okay, let's take a shot down the sideline. Like it all felt natural, and it felt replicable, and it felt like a thing that the Browns offense needs. And they didn't try – you know, a 60-yarder to him. But they did work stuff down the sideline, and he opened some things up. And you can see how valuable he is in this offense, and I think that will continue for the rest of the season. Yeah, I thought, I thought there were some misses. There were times when maybe Baker could have taken a shot or two at him. Um, sometimes where maybe he kind of just got by a guy a little late or Baker just was under pressure. I didn't see him. They, they had some misses, and I just don't think this is ever going to be perfect. But at the same time, I think it's good that maybe Baker sometimes didn't get locked in on that. Hey, let's see if Odell comes open after three seconds. You know, I'm seeing what's happening here, and I'm just going to move on. And if I come back to it, great. But um, I, I, think, I think there's more out there for these two to get. I, I think there were times when Odell was available and Baker – didn't throw it to him. And then and there was another one down near the end zone where they missed. And I think that's one of those things where, you know, they're going to sit down and kind of figure out how to make that play work. But I, I think it's impossible to come away from this game and not be happy about what we saw from, from Baker and Odell. Yeah. I think you got to be thrilled if you're a Browns fan. This is exactly what Odell in a healthy offense should look like nine targets caught five of them. So there's a chance there for even more efficiency for that to grow. And I expect it to, and like y'all said, it wasn't a, a force feed or they weren't just dialing up single plays for Odell. It was very much a part of the offense and having him in specific spots, his first catch on that third down, having him be the number three receiver and letting him work inside against the zone and showing that he's still one of this league's best route runners. Uh, you know, and we didn't have any spectacular catches or, you know, anything wild. To get that one reverse, uh, but just those sprinkling in Odell like that, I think that seven, eight, nine target range is, is very healthy for him. Um, you know, because this team is going to continue to spread the ball around. They've got Kareem Hunt, they've got multiple tight ends, and for Odell to be that third down guy and having a, a presence on the outside uh, when Baker trusts him in that one-on-one -on -one situation, they're just going to continue to grow that relationship. And I think we saw the start of that today. Finally, Odell and Baker playing in a healthy offense it, regarding Odell. This is a situation where you're going to see teams not be able to double him as much. And that's how I think we were able to see Kareem Hunt have a really good day underneath. And Dan, I know uh, you mentioned Kareem Hunt in our first reaction video. Is, is this a game from Kareem that you feel like is his best as a Brown and really the, the, way Kevin Stefanski best utilizes the, the dual threat that is Kareem Hunt as you see him second on the team in, in targets and of course having the, the performance as he usually does on the ground. I, th I thought this was, Doug, I don't know if you said it on the podcast or if you said it in the reaction video, but, but you mentioned something about Kevin figuring it out. 
and, and kind of having to figure things out. And I think Kareem was one of those things because Nick Chubb did not get going today. And they just, they couldn't find much running room when they just turned and handed the ball off to Nick Chubb. And they come out in that second quarter and Kareem had, I think, 41 of their 85 yards on that drive. It was the one that ended with Hooper uh, scoring the touchdown. And it's, it's just, I think it's a testament to Kevin that he's willing to say, you know, in the second quarter, look, Nick, this isn't your day right now. We're going to put Kareem out there and we're going to give him the ball a bunch. And we're going to run the ball with him a little bit. We're going to use him in the screen game. You know, the Bears just couldn't handle that multiple back. And I'm glad they did it because, again, as much as we all love Demetri Felton on this podcast, and I think we all do, and he had a really good game today too, by the way, and the return game especially, there were times in that first quarter, especially on those fourth down plays, where it's like, you sure you don't want 27 on the field instead of 25? And then they put Kareem out there, and you see that impact that he has. And he runs so hard and plays so hard. Baker Mayfield talked about him being angry. I mean, Kareem always looks angry. So, you know, I, I thought he gave the Browns what they needed today without Jarvis. I, I thought even though he didn't really play in the slot, he brought a lot of what they needed without Jarvis today. And he really kind of turned the flow of this game on that drive. I always have felt that uh, that the Browns have underutilized Kareem Hunt and that he's never really had a chance to be uh, the running back that, that we all saw play for the Kansas City Chiefs, even his rookie year and the first half of his second year. I mean, he is a dynamic dual threat back. And I thought this game... Uh, you know, he basically seemed like he was out to show and maybe that's what he was angry about. Maybe he wanted to say, you know what, darn it, like, let's not forget about me. Like, I am uh, a workhorse back in my own right. I'm a, I'm a dual threat back. Let me stop hearing about all these other uh, great running backs. You know, what about me? And he was at home, and I think he has uh, just a, a lot of heart and soul to play in front of his hometown fans. And, uh, and I just think that this is what he's capable of. We've been talking about this for a long time, that this is who Kareem is and can be. He had 155 combined yards rushing and receiving. That's phenomenal. I mean, he only had four fewer, fewer yards rushing uh, than Nick Chubb. 10 carries, 81 yards, 8.1 average. Uh, whereas, you, as you mentioned, Dan, Nick Chubb like really couldn't get it going today. They keyed in on, on trying to stop him. Uh, 22 carries, 84 yards, 3.8 average. So that's the time when, where you do turn to, to Kareem Hunt and say, okay, show us what you have. And uh, he just did a phenomenal job. He, he did run angry. He was so, so incredibly determined today. And he's a major, major reason why, uh, why they broke the game open and got this thing rolling. Browns did run 78 plays to 42 for the Browns, or to the Bears, excuse me. And when you run 78 plays, that lets you get everybody involved. So Baker could throw it 31. They still ran it with Chubb 22 times. Hunt had 10 carries and six catches. They targeted Odell nine times, like, and Jarvis was out. So this was a game where they had the ball two-thirds of the game, so they could get, they could feed everyone. So right. this was a nice day for everybody to feel like that. It's not going to be like it's not going to be like that all the time. But this this was to have Baker and Odell be connected, to have Chubb get more than twenty carries, and have Kareem Hunt be a multi-purpose back. That's hard to have all those things happen at once. And so I think we should appreciate when they do happen, and they all happen in this win. How, how many plays, Doug? Did you say seventy? Seventy-eight for the Browns. Jeez, Forty-two for the Bears. Hard. 
Yeah. yeah and, and time of possession, like you said, what, like 40 to 20, wasn't it? <laughs> like, yeah, it was. I mean, I mean they, they ran 59 and 61 in the first two weeks before any team in the NFL. 70, that many plays is a ton of plays. Yeah, it is a time. Odell was exhausted. Yeah, for real. And, and to me, the, the most intriguing thing about this offense now is as we're seeing it, uh, again, evolving in the second year with Kevin Stefanski, is how dominant they are when they play with a lead. Uh, you know, just off the top of my head, what, 12 quarters played, they led for like three and a half quarters in Kansas City, uh, probably three quarters against Houston, and, and really this whole game today. And that's the product – of having a lead, you're able to lean on your running backs like this. You know, we, we kept saying, you know, Nick Chubb hasn't gotten going. And then you look down and he's had 22 carries, you know, a really quiet 22 carry performance from Nick Chubb. So what I want to ask you guys is as we survey this schedule going forward, you know, clearly the Browns are beneficiaries of a third place schedule playing the Texans, the bears. Is this an offense that you need to see play from behind at some point and and be able to ramp it up when they have to not saying they can't but that is is that where really the only thing we haven't seen this offense do yet already early in the season I mean I don't know if there's going to be a ton of opportunities for that to happen uh you know I mean when they have to do it I think they'll do it but I think um one of the things that sort of stands out about this game to me is the fact that uh there have been times in the past even last year where you expected them to dominate an inferior football team and they didn't. I mean, when you, you know, when you play, uh, you know, Mike Glennon, you know, you expect uh, that you're going to go out and, and clobber those kind of teams and, and they weren't necessarily doing that. I think the sign of a, of a good football team is not only just beating other good football teams, but it's just completely annihilating bad football teams. And that's a sign of growth for them today. They yeah. blew out, basically dominated a, a bad football team. And, and that's what you have to do. So uh, I don't think there's going to be a ton of games where they are, um, you know, where they're, where they're playing too far from, from behind. That, that might not happen for them very often this year. I think there will be close games, but I'm not sure about that. I think these next few games are going to be fun. I, you know, I think the Browns are, are better than the teams they're going to be playing, but I think these next few games are fun. Um, you know, the Vikings, as, as we're recording this, they're, they're leading the Seahawks. They might get their first win, but I'm, I'm thinking the chart that game in, in LA against the Chargers should be fun. They just beat the chiefs today. Uh, you know, the cards, the Cardinals game should be fun and interesting. The Broncos, they're, they're going to be undefeated still after today. So I think these next four games are going to be really interesting to watch for the Browns. I mean, there's no reason they – I mean, they could go 4-0 and in these games. They could go 2-2. Two and two. I think these are good opportunities for them to go against teams that they're better than, but these teams are also good enough to, to kind of put up a fight. And I think these are going to be four very interesting games before they play the, uh, the Steelers, who might be 1-5 by the time uh, – by the time they roll into Cleveland for that game. Where's that game in Pittsburgh? I can't remember. Wherever take they that, play, take they that play victory Steelers. lap, Dan. Take that victory lap on, on the Steelers being awful after get, they ten, got rolled by the Bengals. Ten points. Ten points, and they lost 24 to 10 to the Bengals. And by the way, I mean, we have to acknowledge, right? I mean, the Chiefs are one and two now, right? Mm-hmm. And the Ravens 
beat the Lions because they kicked a 66-yard field goal in the last play of the game, or the Ravens would be one and two. So it's one of those things where it's like, ah, first four drives. The Browns kind of had a little trouble with the Bears. Listen, man, there's people out there having plenty of trouble. The Ravens should have lost to the Lions if they don't have the greatest kicker ever. So um, these are the teams we've, we talked about in the preseason as the, the Browns trying to, you know, stand with at the top of this conference. So I, I think, again, this was a good Sunday for the Cleveland Browns in more ways than one. Yeah, and the Colts are 0-3. I'm not sure why anyone on this podcast – I'm not sure why anyone on this podcast would be tracking their win-loss, but I'll just throw it out there. I applaud game. you for bringing that up on your own house. <laughs> it's getting tough out here, Doug. Um, <laughs> we don't do it a lot on this podcast, but I think we got to shout out the special teams, you guys. Dan, you already mentioned Demetri Felton as a returner, and it looks like the Browns have a legitimate kicker. I mean, that was good from 57 yards. Your, your guys' thoughts for this, on the special teams. Are we allowed to talk people. about the kicker if Scott Patsko is in here? <laughs> He's missing out. That was amazing. And that, that, and that, that Stefanski knew it, that he knew he could do that. It was almost shocking when he brought him out for that, and then he made it. And then Justin Tucker stomped him with the nine-yard further field goal. So sorry about that, Chase. But that was a big kick. I don't, Cody Parkey can't make that kick. Mm-hmm. Cody Parkey doesn't have that leg, right? Cody Parkey's not making a 57-yarder. Yeah, they don't so, attempt that with Cody Parkey. I agree. And that was like to tie a game when the offense was struggling. That was like a real – important as far as important as a kick can be in the first half of week three that was a really big kick for the Browns so I think applaud Stefanski for having the faith in him but applaud Chase McLaughlin for nailing that thing I didn't think he had it in him yeah that was that that was pretty incredible I could not believe that that went through so good for him looks like they found themselves a kicker looks like they have uh nothing to worry about in that regard right now and uh and that's just one, one less thing to have to, to deal with over the next few weeks. Yeah, and then this was sort of the luxury of playing the Bears, that you can send McLaughlin out, even though it was still kind of an important moment. You can send him out for a 57-yarder and still feel good. This was just a good opportunity to test that leg, and I'm sure they knew pregame that he could hit from that distance. They had, they had done that work, but I don't know. Maybe Mike Prefer was looking across that sideline and saying, you guys have all this love for Chris Tabor. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you how it's done. <laughs> oh, by the way, Scott Patsko is not on this podcast, but he just checked in with the headline on Cleveland.com. Chase McLaughlin has gone from questionable to reliable for the Browns. So everyone go. go read Scott Patsko writing that story. There you go. Perfect timing. Let's get out of here on this. I, I want to, we got to mention Jedrick Wills. Uh, just your thoughts on him. How concerned are you guys about the Browns left tackle situation going forward? This seems to be a, a nagging thing. He it looks beat. like that ankle is causing problems, right, Doug? Mm-hmm. I mean, he got beat for a sack because he couldn't move after he came back in. And then Hans came in and Hans got beat for a sack because he couldn't block the guy either. So, I mean, th- there was a series where Jed had a holding penalty and gave up a sack and sort of single-handedly killed a series because he was trying to play when he shouldn't have been out there, right? So credit to him. It's when he had already left the game and then come back so I, I, I admire a guy trying to fight through it, but he can't, he, he can't move. Like he could not stop a guy going around the edge. So I, if, if this is a thing where he can play and then whatever happens with the pain tolerance or whatever, something gets tweaked and then he has to come out, that does seem like a thing that at some point you're just going to have to rest him and let him get healthy because what they tried today did not work. I'm not saying Hans is going to work either. I just can't ha- help but say Hans. So – I don't know that Hans is the answer, 
he Hans is the answer. But <laughs> like Jed Wills at thirty five percent is definitely not the answer, no matter how hard he's fighting. Can I can I throw something at you guys about this real quick? Because I I kind of agree. I don't know how much longer you can run him out there if that ankle's not one hundred percent. But I thought it was really interesting how he goes out there. He guts it out last week, gets on the field, plays three, two and a half quarters. And the Browns across the board were very effusive in their praise of him this week. And I almost wonder if they're sort of saying to Jed, like, hey, you're a left tackle, you're an offensive lineman, you got to play through stuff. Is that, does yeah. that sound like a real thing? Oh, yeah. It's, it's 100% a real thing. Yes. That they, Everybody was absolutely over the moon that he went out there and showed last week that he could gut it out. Why? Because what, what do you always see J.C. Treader doing? What did J.C. Treader do every week when he had a high ankle sprain? He went out there and he played the game, right? That's right. what these offensive linemen are expected to do, and they play hurt. It's the warrior offensive line. They don't miss games. They don't come out. And they needed him to show that he was one of those guys. And, uh, and he showed that last week. And he's trying. I mean, he is really trying. But as Doug mentioned, uh, there's a law of diminishing returns. And if he isn't up for it, then let the guy heal for two weeks. Yeah. yeah I mean, trying, kind of trying to, like, instill that, like, mentality. Yes. I guess is what I'm getting at. Is like 100%. maybe they just need to see if – I mean, I'm sitting here looking at 10,363 on the, the ring of honor up here. I mean, that you've – yeah, I kind of wrote an alignment, about that. You've got to play through stuff. I kind of wrote about that before yeah. the game that he, uh, you know, that he he received a lot of kudos inside the building, inside the organization for uh, for doing what he did last week and really showing them uh, that that he can play hurt. And but again, got to see how that's going to go going forward. Yeah, and, and at left tackle, you're, you're out there on an island. You're usually heavily involved in the screen game. So, uh, again, a 35 40% Jed just – it doesn't allow the Browns offense to, to call a game that, that they want to and have Baker protected back there. And, again, you're not moving in the screen game. It, it's it's probably time for, for Jed to get healthy. And I feel like the status of Chris Hubbard will have uh, something to do with this. And it's sort of in a way where you lose Jarvis, Odell comes back, perhaps uh, they can get Hubbard back and allow Jed to, some time off. Is that everything? Are we ready to get out of here? I think so. All right, y'all. Another thrilling Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Again, Browns winners 26-6 over the Chicago Bears, large in part due to Miles Garrett's career day, four and a half sacks. And now he's uh, climbing that sack leader and perhaps chasing a uh, elusive Defensive Player of the Year award. All right, that's a wrap for myself, Dan Lobby, Doug Lee Maurice, and Mary Kay Cabot. I'm Ellis Williams signing off. Thanks for listening, y'all.